Hey everyone, I wanted to welcome you to Encounter Church. I'm Pastor Craig Rice. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Anybody else know God can do the impossible? You believe He can? I think that's easier said than done. I think it's easy to believe it. It's a little harder to receive it. Believing is one aspect of it, but actually seeing it happen, being a part of it, uh, is, is a completely different uh, scenario. And so through this series of being unstoppable, what we're wanting to do is to get into your hearts, not just that we believe that God can, but empower you to see Him do it. And not just, not just see Him do it, but I am bold enough to believe that He can do it through you. I know what I'm preaching on right now. All right, that's, I'm just going to hit that disbelief in the face like Muhammad Ali until it is dead. And the reason is, is that many times we want to see God do it through someone else, but it's scary when we think that God can do it through me because we have internal self-doubts. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I'll be able to. And I want to just declare and prophesy over your life today that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You have all authority and all power, and God has given you that positioning in the kingdom. So I want you to just put your hand on your chest right now and say, I'm unstoppable. Because my God's unstoppable. Now, if you believe it, will you put your hands together and thank Him for that today? Amen. Amen, amen. Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 18 through 19 is where we'll take our text from here this morning. And I've thoroughly enjoyed the series, and we are just getting started in it. This is not one that four weeks in and we're done. This is going to continue We have planned for seven to eight weeks. After looking at this, praying about it, we may end up going longer than that. So buckle in, hang on, we're going for a ride. Anybody else excited about that? There's just too much to cover, too much to cover. And we'll never never be able to get it all. But uh, Matthew 16, verses 18 through 19 in the New Living, it says, Now I say to you that you are Peter. This is Jesus speaking, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell. Someone say, all the powers of hell. Does that mean some? Does that mean just a little bit? Becky, it means all. It's not just a little bit. It's not just a, 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 a just depending on the circumstance or just on what you're feeling for the day and all powers of hell will not conquer it and i will give you who's that talking about that's me i'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted on earth so i want to just preach on on just this subject today hunger unstoppable hunger Father, I thank you so much for the moments we have shared, the glory of your presence, the weightiness of it is in this place today. I pray that we would not just be spiritual sponges today, but may we be spiritual scrub brushes that we receive and we go out and do. May the kingdom be in us today. May it empower us to leave this place to do the exploits that you have called us to do. So I pray for an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I pray for a joy. I pray for authority. And I pray for revelation in this house. In Jesus' name, someone said amen. Amen. So my mind is open. My heart is ready. I receive it. I believe it. Do it, Jesus. Acts chapter 10 is where I'm going to spend all of my time today. We have been doing them in three sections at a time, three chapters at a time, but I'm going to spend all my time in Acts chapter 10 today. And Acts chapter 10 and verse 9, I want to just read to you a story. And the story actually begins a little earlier than this, and it's with a man, a a Gentile uh, named Cornelius. Now what's important about this is that Gentiles at this point had not yet been uh, accepted and introduced to this new church uh, that had been established. There was 
uh, rules and regulations that they had carried over from their synagogues, their temples, and they just didn't know how to do things differently. And there is a man, a Gentile man by the name of Cornelius, who the Bible describes as righteous because he prayed every day. Like, this man had a hunger beyond his ability to have. There was a hunger. The religious society said you cannot because of how you were born and because of your bloodline and because of your last name. Jesus on the cross did away with that. I'm thankful for the writings of Paul, but because of Paul's writings, it begins in the book of Acts. If you look at the epistles, his writings begin in the book of Acts, and this was one of those major hurdles that they had to come overcome, and that was allowing the Gentiles to participate in this new outpouring and new way of doing things. And thank God for a man named Cornelius who in spite of how he was born, in spite of his bloodline, and in spite of his heritage, he had a hunger for God above anything else. And God's response was, I'm going to send an angel to help him out. Because God is not worried about your background. He is not worried about your bloodline. He is not worried about how much is in your account or not. He is not worried about where your marital status is. He's not worried about your education. He's not worried about, about any of that. What he's worried about is your hunger and your drive. And God always responds to hunger even if the other people won't accept them. All right, well, we're already off of this. So uh, I just wonder, I just wonder how many people in this town right now have a hunger for God and yet have not heard. How many people have something inside of them, a desire within them to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference, and yet they have not yet been told or heard? I want to empower a church today to get hungry for more of His presence so that we can empower those around us. Acts 10 and 9 says, The next day as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up. Someone say went up. There was, there was an action that he did. He went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. If this had read in 2023, it said, and he was hangry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven, and Peter was very perplexed, confused. He's like, what, what could the vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside, standing outside the gate. I'm going to take you back to week one here in a moment. They were standing outside the gate, and they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. And meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Don't worry, for I have sent them. There is something about an appetite and a hunger that just causes people to do things that fool people don't do. Have you ever gotten to the point where you are so hungry that it does not matter what you eat? I'm not talking about when you're speaking with your spouse after church. Where do you want to go eat? I don't know. What do you want to eat? And you always choose wrong. That's a trap. <laughs> never, never give in to that. Men, it's always her choice. I don't care how many times she tells you it, she doesn't care. She really cares. She really cares. And if you're like, let's go get a salad, well, how come I need a salad? <laughs> let's go get burgers. How dare you think that I would eat a greasy burger today? <laughs> now, I'm speaking about your wives, not mine. I don't know. Mine's perfect. So, 
we're digging out. All right. I came across a scripture this week that just absolutely has captivated me, and that's in Isaiah chapter 59 and 11, and it says, we growl like hungry bears. And I am praying that there would be a growling within us of a hungry bear. And there was a, a, a meme or picture that got brought up by a national forest um, group this week on Instagram. And I just, I just want to show you the picture that they posted on their social media site. It said, when a bear attacks, don't push a slower friend down. <laughs> That's just great advice. I, the, the old saying was, you need to be faster than your slowest friend. And now the park service is like, just don't push the slower friend down. Like, <laughs> let them have a chance. And the comments were amazing. The National Park Service uh, said, don't push the slower friend down. And someone said, well, if, if, if you come across a bear, never push the slower friend down. Even if you feel the friendship has run its course. <laughs> One user replied and says, what if you're the slower friend? The National Park Service said, check in on your friendship before you head into the woods. <laughs> Just wisdom today. Another user said, okay, but what if the bear looks really hungry? Don't you do, they deserve a little snack as a treat? <laughs> the National Park said, do you consider yourself the faster or the slower of the two friends? <laughs> it's going to depend on our answer. But there's got to be a hunger. We growl like hungry bears. And, and I was thinking, why is a bear, why, when do bears get the hungriest? When they get up from hibernation. There's not a rumbly in their tummy, Pooh Bear. That happens while they're in hibernation. But when they awake... There is a hunger that will drive them to do things and force them to do things that they would not otherwise do. May the church finally awaken in 2023 with a spiritual appetite that will go the distance to see things happen that others will not see. We growl like hungry bears. We growl like hungry bears, but sometimes our appetite isn't there. Have you ever sat down to eat with somebody and you're just not hungry? It's, it's not that the food doesn't look good or the thing's not prepared right. It's just you're not hungry. Anybody ever been just, you're just not hungry? It just doesn't sound good. You just don't have an appetite. And I saw, I just, I was praying about this, working through this, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, the reason why there are appetite suppressants is because you are dealing with some sins that you have forgotten about. We can name the big sins of fornication and adultery and idolatry. and We can name the big sins like, 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 uh, like uh, gossip. You know that's a sin, right? Just checking. All right. Uh, we forget about sins like gluttony. We overeat physically. But what about, what about the gluttony of social media? Where we feed our soul crap daily, where we get caught in reels and holes and cycles and we can't get out and here we are stuck in this bottomless pit and it's feeding our soul something. You ever eaten a bag of chips and then had a flaming yawn laying there? That's a mistake. The steak's better, I promise you, than Ruffles that's been folded up in your pantry. But because of the appetite that we have, sometimes we choose the thing that is less than. And so I just want to present a list to you today. You can take a picture of this. I'm not going to go through all of it. But there, a list of some, some appetite suppressants of some sins we have forgotten. Can we bring that screen up? Doubt is a sin. Not just the moment of doubt, but a lifestyle of doubt. Because when you're confronted with the truth, you have an option to believe or reject. And if you live in the rejection of truth, then you're living in doubt. An unstable man, a double-minded man, is unstable 
in all his ways. Scripture reminds us that we have to be stable. Jesus reminds us of the story of the man who built his house on the rock and the one who built his house on the sand. There was stability. Doubt is a sin. Complaining is a sin. It's a sin that we have forgotten because sometimes our soul feeds on our complaints. Because it's easier to talk about all the bad that we're going through, all the pain we're suffering in it, than to talk about the goodness and the grace of God. When I'm dealing with a situation and a problem, it's easier to complain than it is to offer praise. And maybe the reason our appetite has been suppressed is because I've been doing more complaining than I have about praising. Unforgiveness is a sin. If you can't forgive your brother who you do see. How in the world is your Father in heaven who you cannot see able to forgive you? Unforgiveness is a sin. And maybe the reason that we aren't seeing the spiritual appetite grow within us is because we have been sleepy, apathetic, worn down because of the constant bitterness that we rehearse in our minds. The constant pain that we've endured, the betrayal that we've gone over, and we have fought a billion battles with that person in our mind, but never have we addressed it in the flesh. And we go through it and over and over and over, and unforgiveness is a sin. It causes you to be apathetic and lethargic, and pride is still a sin. This pride, this arrogance, it's the lust of the flesh, the the lust of the eyes, it's the pride of life. There's some things that are still suppressing the appetite of the church. And I would say today, it is time to awaken from your hibernation. If you'll repent and turn, God is able to stir the hunger again. Because it's, it's impossible. It's impossible to stay static when God is dynamic. It's impossible to stay lethargic. When we believe that God is bigger and stronger and more capable. And Charles Spurgeon said it like this. There is no power in us apart from the presence of Jesus. And if we're seeking power over presence, then we're actually misaligning ourselves in the kingdom. The kingdom never requires you to seek power. Power is always a direct result of your appetite for his presence. When you have his presence, you have power. When you have his presence, you have authority. When you have his presence, it's not seeking power, it's seeking his presence. Wednesday night, I'm telling you, if you miss first Wednesdays, you miss first Wednesdays. You just, it's, first Wednesday was powerful. The Spirit of God was moving, songs were going, worship was happening. And right, right in the middle of it, the Holy Spirit spoke to me to go pray for somebody that just randomly showed up out of the blue. And I went and, I went and sat by him and went to pray for him and just started feeling something that just wasn't right. You ever been around that? Just there's something just off? And you know me. I'm not a pretty, I'm not a spooky guy. I'm not. I don't believe in devils behind every rock and every bush. But when, when devils look at you and call you by your name and it's not their voice, that's a different kind of thing. And, uh, and so I just, just kind of, either I'm dealing with, with, with uh, drug use or I'm dealing with spiritual oppression. And so I said, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put my hand on you, and I'm going to pray for you. And the moment I put my hand on, the hair on my arm stood up, just felt this thing just start crawling over me. And in that moment, and in that moment, in the presence of God, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you have all power and authority over it. And so I moved my hand from the back to the head, and in that moment, for about three to four minutes, there was complete deliverance in an individual. And by the time they were done, hands were lifted, tears running down the face, complete freedom and joy. And as, I, and as I left the parking lot that night, I felt the Holy Spirit speak and said, I'm showing you that spirits in this area know you by name. What I want to remind the church of today is this, is that we're not seeking power. We're not seeking authority. What you and I are seeking today is the presence of God. And from the presence of God, power and authority flows. It comes. But your level of hunger for it is going to determine how much of it you receive. Peter goes on the roof 
And the Bible says he was hungry. But while the meal was being prepared, he prayed. And some of us are in a waiting season right now. The plane is just circling the landing strip. It's waiting for the call from the tower to say you can land. If you're waiting for the people at the gate, you're waiting for that answer to your prayers. But while the meal is being prepared, stay hungry. While the meal is being prepared, keep praying. While the meal is being prepared. So the question I have is what are you doing while the meal is being prepared? There is a meal that's being prepared for you. David even prophesied it and said, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. There is already a meal being prepared. There is the answer that's being prepared. I just want to know, is there a hungry bear in the house today that says, I'm going to go ahead and get a hunger and an intensity and an appetite for more of his presence? Psalms 107 and 9 says, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Number one, hungry people get to higher ground. I've got seven points to run through quickly. Hungry people get to higher ground. Peter did not stay in the basement. Peter went to a roof. Peter got up from where he was and went to the next level. Some of us, we have been stuck at the same level for too long. The meal's being prepared. And we're sitting there hoping that it'll be served. But while the meal is being prepared for you, go ahead and get to the next level. Go ahead and take the next step. Go ahead and jump on a serve team. Go ahead and join an e-group. Go ahead and come to First Wednesdays and Midweek Connects. Go ahead and get a part of what God's doing. Go ahead and pray for that coworker that's annoying you. Go ahead and call that family member that's offended you. Go ahead and pray for someone who is sick. Go ahead and watch God work through you. Go ahead and take it up a notch while the meal's being prepared. Get to higher ground. Hungry people get to higher ground. Number two, hungry people will see things others can't. In his hunger, in his prayer, in his intensity, in his appetite, Peter was able to receive a vision. Trance is kind of a funny word. I think it's been perverted over the years. And so when we hear trance, we think of, you know, voodoo or something. Um, But this is a very spiritual moment. Let me just say it like this. The devil has always imitated what God has perfected. Meditation is still a good thing. Having visions and dreams is still part of end-time prophecy. All right. Hungry people will see things others can't. In fact, it heightened Peter's consciousness. His hunger heightened his consciousness to see a vision from God. So let me ask this question today. I just want to just plant this seed. When's the last time you saw a vision or had a dream from God? Well, Pastor, I don't operate that way. In the last days, saith the Lord, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. The young will see visions, the old will dream dreams. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old, you have a prophetic decree over your life to have dreams and to see visions. And I'm not talking about laying down and slumbering and having a vivid dream. Sometimes those are absolutely terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. I'm talking about a dream that God has planted in your heart to go to the next level. What's the dream that God has planted in your heart? Maybe your dream is to see your your, uh, spouse saved. Maybe your dream is to see your kids serve God. Maybe your dream is to serve on a, on a department in a church. Maybe your dream is to see your, your, your kids thrive. Maybe your dream is to actually go to college and get that degree you've been hoping for. Maybe your dream is to actually start the business you've been hoping and longing for. Maybe your dream is to actually become the thing that you know innately de- deep down inside of you God has called you to do. And I talk to people about dreams, and I talk to people about their hopes, and I talk to people about their longings. And for me, a lot of it is a disconnect. Because I knew what I was supposed to do at five years old. And then I had word after word after word after word through my life about what I was supposed to do. I knew what I was supposed to do. When I hear somebody go, I just haven't figured it out, and you're 21. I was already pastoring my first church at 21. 
stupid. That was dumb. Those poor people. You're here hearing good things that someone else had, did not get to hear. I bought my first house at 18. Like, I, I just, for me, I'm an achiever. I know what I want. I go after it. I have a desire. And my desire, my achieving nature today in this room is to see you be fulfilled and hunger for the dream God has placed in you so you can become all that God wants for you to become. But it's not all about you. The dream is sending people to you. And there's people outside the gate waiting for you to awaken from the dream and step up and say, Cornelius' men are here. There's somebody waiting. There's something waiting. There's, there's, a, there's a movement waiting for you to awaken from your dream. See, in Acts chapter 11, the people wanted to know because... Peter went with Cornelius' men, went to the house of Cornelius, started talking to them about the gospel, praying for them. Holy Spirit falls on them. The house is shaken. Lives are changed. And then the religious people said, Peter, we need to have a meeting. We need to talk. How dare you go to a Gentile's house? Who gave you permission? And Peter's like, I had a dream. I had a dream. Because religion... Wants explanation while the kingdom demands demonstration. The religious side wants you to explain what's happening. I can't explain sitting next to someone and watching deliverance and freedom happen. I can't explain it, but I can show you the demonstration of it. I can't, I can't explain to you someone getting set free and liberated from their addictions and their bondage. And, and I, can't, I can't explain that, but I can show you in demonstration. I sat across the desk from someone yesterday, and they said on, on, they saw on a little application we had filled out, hey, you're a pastor. What do you guys believe? What do you teach? And so I just started opening it up. Hey, we're a spirit-filled, spirit-filled church. And he's like, so do you believe in healings? Yeah. Have you, have you actually seen that? Yeah. Do, do, do you guys operate in the, in the community? Yeah. Have you, seen, have you seen things change? Yeah. Well, I'm a believer. I don't see those things. I want to see those things. And I'm telling someone today, there is a hunger in people's life to see demonstration, not just get explanation, not just have another TED Talk or another YouTube video, but absolute hunger to get inside. So while the meal is being prepared, stay hungry. Hungry people will see things others can't. Number three, hungry people will go places others won't. Peter goes to a Gentile's house. If God let down a sheet with animals in my dream and spoke to me three times, you better believe I'm getting my butt to Cornelius' house. What did he say? Don't hesitate. I sent them. But pastor, they're not, they're not like me. They don't talk like me. They don't act like me. They don't smell like me. They don't dress like me. I sent them. But, 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 but we got a lot of big butts, and they don't lie. Some of you are too spiritual for that joke. Okay. Uh, Look it up. You'll get it. <laughs> Some of us have a lot of excuses. And excuses is the language of the limited. And excuses are going to just continue to drive inside of us. And, and we're going to continue to excuse that we're actually not seeing demonstration because we don't actually have a spiritual hunger for it. And there's things that are being sent your way that are outside the gate knocking. Waiting for you to awaken and go do what you have already received. To go do something with the very thing you have already received. God has already given you words. God has already given you insight. God has already given you dreams. Some you haven't shared with anybody, and that's just fine. But there is something inside of you as I speak right now. The Holy Spirit's revealing that again to you. It's getting pulled up in your mind's eye. 
you're thinking through it. The Holy Spirit's convicting and pricking your heart right now with it. There is a dream that is left unfulfilled, and I'm just prophetically telling you today that the dream is knocking at the door waiting for you. It may not appear the way that you thought it would. It may not come in the form you thought it would. It may not appear the way that you wanted it to. It may not arrive the way you thought it would, but it's knocking at the gate, and Jesus said, I have given you all power over the very powers of hell. I have given you the keys to that gate, and you have all power to bind and to loose, to forbid and to... Are you hearing what I'm saying today? There's some things just knocking at your gate today, waiting for you to awaken from your dream and put in action what God has already put in your heart. God can't make you do it. He's not going to force you to do it, but he's given you a dream and a vision so that you can accomplish what he has sent. We say that again. He's given it to you so you can accomplish what he has sent. There is nothing Peter did that sent those men. It was all the working of the power of the Holy Spirit that sent those men. And God has sent some things into your life that are just knocking at the door. And you're like, I didn't realize that this is how it was going to play out. Andrew and I were just talking about a job situation that, that she had been in a couple years ago. And, and how... Uh, they had really just used and abused her, her title and, and, and her education and her background. And they had used her into this. But really it was just a training ground. And years have gone by and now all of a sudden this week it's gotten reintroduced. And now who she's with now sees the value with it and pays more and is giving more and allowing her to do things that the other one would not do. And now she's stepping into and we're looking back over the thing, that there was a dream that was knocking at the door and it seemed offensive at the time. It seemed like it was opposition at the time. But now, five years later, we're looking at it and saying that opposition was actually an opportunity. And now, because of how steady I was and hungry for more, then I can now see the fulfillment of it. And God has sent some things your way that's knocking, and it may be in the form of opposition. It may be in the form of, of an offense. It may be in the form of, 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 of confusion or perplexity. And it may be knocking, you're like, I don't understand. And God's like, no, I want you to go without hesitation. I sent it. Hungry people will go where others won't. Psalms 107, 36. He brings the hungry to settle there and to build their cities. He didn't bring builders, carpenters, construction workers. He brought the hungry. He didn't bring the engineer. He didn't bring the design team. He didn't bring those with the hard hats. He brought the dreamers who were hungry to see something accomplished. God can do more with hunger than he'll ever be able to do with your credentials. You've got to be hungry. Number four, hungry people aren't picky. Have you had a picky child with food? Are you picky with food? I grew up with a guy who, who had yogurt on tortillas for lunch until we got to high school and then he switched to Lunchables. And it was a Dr. Pepper and a cheese stick and pizza. Ben, if you're watching, I love you, but you're weird. Um, and and the, the reality was is that he was picky. There was just some things and some textures he didn't like. There was something, but you get someone who's hungry. They don't care if it's two-day-old cauliflower. You're hungry. You'll eat it. That ranch is one day past expiration. If you're hungry enough. Tom, I don't recommend drinking the expired milk, but we heard about that last week. If you didn't hear it, go watch it. But if you're hungry enough, you'll do some things. You'll eat some things that other people that are full will not eat. Because hungry people aren't picky. And that's what God was trying to get across in his vision to Peter. Oh, I can't eat that. I can't eat this. It's, that's unclean. It's unceremonial. I can't eat it. And he's like, are you hungry enough? Because you can't call unclean what I have already cleansed. There are some things that you have already thought that God can't do, won't do, won't show up. You've already put God in a box. And God's like, I've got more in the sheet than you have in your box. 
I've got more waiting in heaven for you to loose and unlock than you do sitting on your roof waiting for the meal. Hungry people aren't picky. Number five is this. Hungry people don't allow spiritual things to become common. Here's what I mean by that. They don't allow spiritual things to just be, ah, that's common. I sat down with somebody this week, uh, no one here, thank God, because this isn't our culture, but I sat down with someone this week, and they were talking about the revivals that were happening all through the nation, and their statement to me was this, well, the reason why they're having revivals is because they had never felt God before, and they were just feeling a little bit of His presence, and that's what set it off. And I would like to say that's wrong. What it was, was a hunger for more of God. And I would like to say that when you create spiritual things as common, oh, we feel it all the time, oh, we have it all the time, oh, we just do then you, sir, ma'am, are in danger of allowing supernatural things to just be common ground instead of sacred spaces. I should never... I should never be like, well, that's just common. Oh, I feel that all the time. Ah, it's just... Samson awoke under the presence of God repeatedly, but he became callous to his presence and lost out on what his mission was. Saul became callous to the presence of God and the anointing that was on his life. Can I tell you today, hungry people don't allow spiritual things to become common. Jesus reminded the disciples of this in Luke 6. And he replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he was and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest can eat. And he gave it to his companions. Hungry people say supernatural and spiritual things are not just common. They are absolutely beautiful and should be pursued. They didn't just say, okay, that sacred bread is just for the priest. That sacred bread now is for me. I'm hungry enough to go past just feeling like it's commonplace. It's just routine. It's just ordinary. All I feel is that that is just ordinary. I'm talking about getting a spiritual DNA within us. I'm talking about a spiritual dream within us to believe that we can see these kind of demonstrations on a daily basis, but never let them just become common, ordinary. Let them be holy ground where we still celebrate every fresh start that's sacred. Where we celebrate every baptism. Where we celebrate every infilling of the Holy Spirit. Where we celebrate every person that jumps on a serve team. Where we celebrate every person that gets free. It's not just ordinary and common. Number six, hungry people don't give up. They don't give up. They growl like hungry bears. They don't give up. And every time you feel like you're done, God says there's still more fight in you. I just want to talk to someone today as I get ready to close this thing out. Some of you feel like you're ready to give up. You're ready to throw in the towel. And it could be a variety of things. Your marriage could be your job. could be your career. It could be uh, your ministry. It could be your, your hopes, your dreams. You're ready to throw in the towel. You're ready to just give up. And I want to remind you today that every time you say and you feel like you want to give up, God is always saying there's more fight left in you. Hungry people don't give up. They don't give up. And finally, number seven is this. Hungry people find meaning in the mess. Andrew and I, when we first got married, I have dug myself so far in a hole today that it's, it's impossible, so we're just going to keep going. I may strike oil. When we first got married, uh, she came from a house that didn't do a lot of cooking. They did a lot of eating out. Anybody else come from that kind of house? I came from a house that that's all we had. Like going out to eat was a treat, and if we did, we had to share the tortillas. And we went to Mexican restaurants because we could have all-you-could-eat chips and salsa. 
Hello, anybody else on? Yeah, and but but we I grew up in a house where we that's we, we ate home cooked meals, and so when we got married, Andrea's like, I want to do that for you. I want to, you know, make you feel special, and you know, she's just the epitome of perfection. And so she's trying to to do this, and we were trying to eat healthy at the time. Sometimes it works. Other times it just does not work. And she went to grocery outlet. Come on, somebody, anybody newly married on a budget? Yeah. And she went to grocery outlet, and she's like, I had heard that you can do applesauce instead of oil. You've heard this. Well, grocery outlet apparently didn't have applesauce in the flavor that applesauce should be. And she cooked the chicken and brought it out to serve, serve me. And that chicken looked, it was it was. It was purple. It was the chicken. It was it was purple. I'll just say that it 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 was grape sesame street applesauce <laughs> that she had layered that pan with to cook this healthy meal. And now instead of the the, the apple apple and chicken goes good together, but grape applesauce with chicken is not the thing, and so we, we laugh about it today, and we know who actually cooks in this house, uh, and, and we knew very early on about that, but we found a meaning in the mess. Hungry people will find meaning in the mess. She didn't intentionally do that chicken like that. She was just trying to be helpful, but it was a mess. Hungry people will eat even in the mess. Jesus shows up at a well. Woman comes at a different time of day than normal people do because her background was different than most. She had lived with man after man and had tried to find her fulfillment in all kinds of things. And here she was at the well at the hottest part of the day trying to get water and sitting on that well was a man where he was not supposed to be. She was a Samaritan, half Jew, half Gentile, and both sides kicked her out. And there was this man sitting alone at the well, another man. She says, sir, you're not supposed to be here. And he said, if you only knew who I was, you wouldn't be asking me for physical water to satisfy the thirst of your physical body. You would ask me for living water. And the story continues and she begins to talk to him and talks about how her ancestors said that, you know, Jews can't talk to Samaritans and do all this and and they're supposed to worship. And Jesus is like, my concern is not how you worship, but what you worship. You worship the Father in spirit and in truth not just with ritual and ceremony. And he's like, how thirsty are you? How hungry are you? She begins to talk about his life story. And he said, I want you to go get your husband. She goes, I don't have one. He said, I know you've had five. One who you're with is not even your own. So she's had, she's with number six guy. And yet, guy number seven, completion, was sitting there at the well, offering her something better. And he says, I want you to go into the city, tell your husband. She goes in, and she doesn't tell her husband. She doesn't tell anybody else she's with. She starts talking to the entire town. There's somebody out here that you need to know. And the Bible shows us that as she is doing that, the disciples come back. And they're like, Jesus, are you hungry? He's like, no. And they start talking. Who's given him food while we were gone? Our job was to go get him food. And Jesus said, my nourishment and my food comes from doing the will of the Father. That's where I get my nourishment. And about that time, he says, look, the fields are white already for harvest. The laborers are few. So pray, therefore, that the 
that he will send forth laborers into his field because there's harvest and there's food that is ripe and ready and the disciples look up and the town is emptying and this woman who has been betrayed, who has been hurt, who has been unloved, unwanted, has wanted to give up, has been washed up, has been used, is leading the charge back to Jesus. You need to see the one who told me everything. My soul is hungry and thirsty for whatever he has. I'm asking someone in this house today, is your level of hunger like a growling bear that says, I'll do anything to get back to Jesus? He's done his part. Now it's our turn. Will you stand all over this room today? Hungry people aren't those who just go to church. Hungry people become the church. Hungry people will reach people others reject. Around here, one more matters because people is our heart. And I'd like you to get your eyes open today to see that the fields are still white, ready for harvest in North Idaho. They may have religion. They may get all their explanations. But what about kingdom demonstration? Are you hungry today? talking about the pot roast that's waiting for you when you get home or Taco Bell for your kids as you drive from home I'm talking about are you spiritually hungry for God to do more in you and through you are you like a growling bear because hungry people are unstoppable they're unstoppable Peter concludes this chapter 10 of Acts and says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. He's not looking for your background and your pedigree and the name on the wall. He's not looking for the letters that follow or what college you went to or what home you came out of. He's looking for a growling bear who is awakening from its hibernation to say, I have to have more of his presence. I am hungry for more of Jesus. I want to see revival. Revival cannot be manufactured or produced. Because if you seek revival, you're going to get performance. But if you seek Jesus, you're going to get revival. Revival is God's response to hunger. Revival isn't the goal. Jesus is the goal and revival is the byproduct. I'm hungry for Jesus. Prayer partners, if you're on 9 9 a.m. schedule, would you come? Heads bowed, eyes closed with me today. you're in this place this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus or you want to say yes all over again this is your moment you don't have to have all the right words say all the right things dress a certain way to get to Jesus all you have to do say I give you my life say yes Jesus has already done his work now it's time for us to do ours and if that's you in this house for the first time or all over again would you just simply with me say Jesus I give you my life and on the count of three would you shoot that hand up with boldness today I'm saying yes first time or all over again one two, three. 
that's you, would you raise your hand? One in the house. Beautiful. Anyone else today? Beautiful, 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 amazing. Father, we thank you for those that have just said yes. We celebrate this holy moment. We thank you for this powerful, powerful moment that you are setting aside for people to receive you, have you, know you, hunger for you. And we celebrate that. Now, Father, all across this room, I am praying that you would increase the hunger of your people this morning. That there would be a hunger not for just more explanations, but for more demonstrations. That there would be a hunger for the supernatural to be evident in their life. But God, beyond that, I pray for a hunger for just more of you. Not for all the signs and the wonders, not for all of the other things, but just a hunger for more of you because we know that when we hunger and thirst, we will be filled. We know that if we long for you, we will see it. We know that if we are hungry for your presence, that revival is just the byproduct. So today, hear our hearts cry. We are hungry for more of you. We want to see you. We want to know you. We want to experience you. So come change us. Come change us. Some of you right now, that opportunity is knocking at the door. And I am praying this over your life right now. Would you put your hand over your heart? Father, I pray that those dreams would become reality today. Those visions that we have seen would come to pass. Opportunity is knocking at the door. It may be in an unexpected way, unexpected places, but right now I pray that our eyes would be open, that we would awake like growling, hungry bears today, and that we would search for the very thing that you have already sent our way. So God, give us clean hands, pure eyes, new hearts, open mindsets today to see your kingdom come here and now. So God, I pray that the dreamers would awaken today. The visionaries would awaken today and made their hibernation have caused a deep spiritual hunger for more of you. Remind them that they're unstoppable when they're hungry. They're unstoppable when they're hungry. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow Jesus to transform your soul. We pray that you have an amazing week. Thanks again for being a part of the Encounter Church family. God bless you.